This is Winning the Game of Work, a podcast that helps you have the happy and successful career you've dreamed of. Because being smart and hardworking just aren't enough in today's competitive workplace. I'm your host, Terry McDougall, an experienced executive coach who will teach you all the right moves so you can win the game of work. Whose little voice is that anyway? If you're like most people, you have a little alter ego inside that observes, comments, and critiques everything that you do. I refer to that critic as a gremlin. The gremlin likes to sit on your shoulder and whisper sweet little nothings in your ear. Even though happiness and fulfillment may be important goals for you, they have no meaning whatsoever for your gremlin. Your gremlin's job is to protect you by any means necessary. It may tell you not to try, to always take the safe but boring route, or to keep yourself secure by playing small. Your gremlin sees no advantage to risking anything. Its primary objective is one simple thing, survival. Anything beyond just staying alive is irrelevant to your gremlin. So most people's gremlins have a lot in common with those fuzzy little creatures from a fantasy film called Gremlins that Hollywood put out in the 1980s. But Hollywood's tips for dealing with gremlins are distinctly different from dealing with the gremlins in your head in the real world. If you haven't seen the movie, it's actually good. It's a fun one. Here's a quick synopsis. Randall a struggling inventor, buys a fuzzy, cute little pet called a gremlin who's named Gizmo from a shop in Chinatown. As he's leaving, he's given three ironclad rules by the owner of the shop. And these must be strictly adhered to or something bad, but undefined, will happen. The first rule, do not expose the gremlin to bright light or it will die. Two. Do not let it get wet. And three, never feed it after midnight. Because this is a movie, mischief soon ensues. Through a series of mishaps, Gizmo multiplies, and soon an army of gremlins wreak havoc on the town. The gremlins' crimes range from vandalism to manslaughter. Randall's son, Billy, and his friend recognize that saving the town is up to them. They hatch a plan that involves a swimming pool, a skylight, and a big explosion to decimate the hordes of evil gremlins. When the dust settles, Gizmo is the only gremlin left, and he is returned to Chinatown where he can be cared for properly without endangering civilization. So here's how your gremlin may differ from the Hollywood variety. In my experience, gremlins are not cute and fuzzy like the ones in the movie. In fact, when I envision my gremlin, he looks like he studied actuarial science at college. He's skinny and has a penchant for pleated docker khakis and a pristine pocket protector. His glasses are thick and he clears his throat a lot. Fun is a foreign concept to him. Gremlins are typically not unhinged. Mine wouldn't say boo to a goose. He's extremely conservative and risk-averse. Though he's very strong-willed, I don't see him causing chaos for anyone but my sense of fun. Here's how your gremlin may be like Gizmo and the Hollywood gremlins. 
Though my gremlin is decidedly uncuddly, he is persistent. He considers himself my protector and is impervious to my hints that he's not welcome. He's like a stray cat that follows you home and meows outside your door until you give it a little milk, and then you can't get rid of it. That's my gremlin. Like the Hollywood gremlins, if you feed your gremlins doubts when things get dark, it only gets bigger and stronger. Likewise, when I pay attention to my gremlin, his negative messages multiply like poisonous weeds that are just as caustic. Now, when I shine a light on my gremlin, he tends to shrink, but not fully perish. He doesn't like it when I pick apart his conspiracy theories. My gremlin is unmoved if I bring up facts, likelihoods, and past positive experiences to bear in countering his arguments. He wants to stay strong and keep me frozen. When I tried to kill my gremlin, it backfired, and his whispers became screams and shouts until I couldn't hear myself think. Like Gizmo, gremlins need to be cared for properly so they can coexist with their hosts. So I've come up with a different way of dealing with my gremlin. The first step that I took was to name him. I called mine Rouse. For many years, he didn't have a name. He was just a voice whispering in my ear. And sometimes I actually mistook his voice for my own inner wisdom. But after I named him Ralph, it was easy to see him for what he was, a well-meaning part of myself who tried his best to keep me safe through fear-based arguments. Though Ralph is annoying and neurotic, I've decided to embrace him and recognize that he's looking out for me because he loves me, and he knows no other way to show it. He doesn't assign any value to my desire to have fun, explore, and feel joy. When he pulls his graphing calculator out of his pristine pocket protector and does the math, to him, the odds aren't worth any risk. Now I tell Rouse that I hear and I appreciate him, but I am respectfully going my own way. Since I recognize Ralph's just trying to keep me safe in a very blunt way, I learned that the physiological symptoms of fear are the same as excitement. And it's actually how we view the sensations that make them seem pleasant or unpleasant. I've developed a new way to view my discomfort when I need to take actions that scare me. To quell the anxiety, I adopted a new mantra of say yes to adventure. The mantra calms me until I focus on my goal without giving Ralph much heed. All it took to tame him was giving him a name, embracing him as part of myself, and changing the lens through which I viewed the sensations that I felt. It turns out that Ralph, he's a good little gremlin after all. So you have your own gremlin. And if you find you're holding yourself back from what you want because of perceived risk, it may be because your gremlin has more control over you than it needs to. And here are a few questions to help make the distinction between your own inner wisdom and your nervous Nelly gremlin that wants to keep you safe at all costs, even when the likelihood of danger is slim. So the first question is, what's your gremlin's name? Part of embracing your gremlin is naming it so that you can distinguish your single-minded safety monitor from your wiser selves. This way, you can talk to it like you would a rather simple friend. You can say something like, yes, Leonard, I appreciate your concern about the risks associated with taking on this new project. I have thought this through and have decided that the likely rewards outweigh the potential pitfalls. I would appreciate your support as I move ahead. Let me know if you see any new risks as I proceed. It's a good way to involve Leonard in a positive way. 
The second question is, what are three examples of times when you've done something that you were afraid to do and it worked out well? Did everything go according to plan? If not, how did you deal with the problems that arose? This is going to help you build the confidence so that you know that regardless of what you say, she will figure out how to make it through. The third question is, how able are you to distinguish the voice of your gremlin from your inner wisdom? Your gremlin's message is always tinged with a little fear, drama, and worst-case scenarios. It's okay to listen, but allow the wise part of yourself to evaluate the points that the gremlin brings up and decide intentionally, rather than based on fear, what action to take. So the fourth question, what's the worst-case scenario? And what's the likelihood that it will happen? Is it something that you can live with? What are your options if it does happen? The fifth question, what's the best case scenario? What's the most likely scenario? Is the risk of the worst case scenario worth taking a chance to achieve the best case or most likely scenario? As you've heard many times before, no risk, no reward. Rarely do people make progress without some risk. The sixth question, what can you do to mitigate any risk that your gremlin uncovers? For example, if you'd like to apply for a promotion, but you're not sure if you're qualified, who can help you understand the requirements of the job? I often encourage my clients to have informational interviews with people doing jobs they're interested in. In the vast majority of cases, my clients are pleasantly surprised at how informative and enjoyable those conversations are. The seventh question, how can you embrace your gremlin and be grateful that part of you is looking out for your best interest? Consider times when your gremlin brought an issue to your attention that caused you to make a better decision. You don't need to follow the instruction of your gremlin in all cases, but often people find that if they're willing to listen openly and recognize that its exhortations are coming from a place of keeping them safe, they have less fear than if they try to repress those messages. Be responsible for what you want. Anytime you want something, examine your own commitment to your goal. Sometimes you may be giving yourself mixed messages. Perhaps your deepest desire is to pursue a particular goal, but your gremlin is sending you a message that drains your energy. A tug of war can take place subconsciously. And by the time the desires rise to your level of consciousness, you feel exhausted and demoralized before you can even consider taking action. If so, your gremlin has more control than it deserves. Okay, so I've introduced you to this concept of the gremlin and how you can name your gremlin so that you can tell the difference between that part of you that wants to keep you safe at all costs and your inner wisdom. That is not your inner wisdom speaking when the gremlin talks. It's part of you. It's part of a survival mechanism that's built into all of us. And If we can separate it from our inner wisdom, we can listen to it, but not give it undue credit because nothing worthwhile ever happens inside our comfort zone. If we want to keep learning and growing, we've got to take steps outside of that comfort zone. And if we listen to our inner gremlin too much, it keeps us stuck. But if we recognize it and appreciate it, And then we can make conscious decisions about what we want to do and how we move forward. Thanks for listening to Winning the Game of Work. If you enjoyed what you heard, please like, share, and subscribe. 
If you'd like to get in touch, go to the show notes. I'd love to hear from you. And now get out there and start winning the game of work. I'm cheering you on.